I, I joke that everyone should should be pregnant when they launch their startup because <laughs> it, it has its challenges, but it was a great constraint, right? It's like if someone tells you, okay, you can only work 10 hours a week, you're going to get stuff done in those 10 hours as opposed to the like, you can, oh, don't worry, just procrastinate all day. You can just stay up all night and work. You know, I think right. I am a believer in setting setting those limits. Can this business thrive without the owner? You've got to start putting systems and processes in place. If you don't use the systems, the business will break. We're always looking to buy back our time. You cannot say something once and expect that it actually is received. This is the way we work. A big motivation in that for me is creating a job for myself that I really enjoy. This is how you discover your vision. And this is Process Makes Perfect. Hello everyone, I'm Chris Ronzio, founder and CEO of Trainual, and this is Process Makes Perfect. As always, we're talking with experts in process creation, automation, and delegation, basically the people that just know how to make business easier. And today we have with us Laura Roeder. Laura is the founder and CEO of Meet Edgar, a social media automation tool, which we'll dive into here in a few minutes. Uh, so Edgar is, is a social application that provides an effective way of scheduling and organizing your content to automate your publishing. She's been featured in as a speaker in South by Southwest. She's spoken at the White House. She writes in uh, about entrepreneurship for Forbes and Inc. and Fast Company. So Laura, thanks so much for carving out some time to be here today. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to uh, talk about process. Yes. All right. So before we dig into the details of process, for anyone that hasn't heard of the company or you, can you catch us mm -hmm. up on just how you started Edgar and where it is today? Yeah, so uh, we started about five years ago. Uh, we have over 5,000 um, paying customers today. Our customers are very small businesses, you know, 10 people are under, a lot of solopreneurs, and uh, we really target businesses that have a lot of content. So they record a podcast or they write a blog, they use content marketing and they want a really organized, streamlined, automated way to make sure they're sharing that content on social media. So even your product is all about process, which is so yes. cool. So, so before <laughs> someone would sign up for your tool, what, what does their general social media management look like? Well, usually people are often burned out because it's become it's become such a mess. And this is something we see a lot with social media marketing is people are very all or nothing. People are like, OK, I'm going to going to get it together. I'm going to do it. I'm going to post like crazy across all the channels and I'm going to get organized. And they do everything manually. And it's just so much work because you have yeah. to post so often on so many channels and they have, you know, so many other things to do as an entrepreneur that they get really burnt out. And sometimes they come to us being like, I haven't updated Twitter in six months and <laughs> people are starting to think that my business doesn't exist anymore. Uh, because, you know, we really created Meet Edgar because there's, there's lots of other social media publishing tools out there, but publishing is kind of all they do. It's like, okay, I can mm -hmm. write my update into the tool and then it'll send out to multiple networks. But what's really different about Meet Edgar is one, we store all your updates in a categorized, organized library for you so they can easily be recent, they can be modified. Uh, we actually automatically create status updates for you that we pull from your content. We automatically add images for you that we pull from your content, basically so you can have a piece of content and Edgar mixes and matches status updates and images and then automatically sends it out and then resends it, if you like, uh, to your social network. So it just makes the process 
process a lot more organized and, and hands off. I love it. It's funny. I think a lot of process is born out of desperation and stress <laughs> and angst and chaos. And it sounds like that's where your customers come to you. So I've seen a lot of the publishing tools and you're right. They're just very one way. You're just blasting mm. things out. And so yours is kind of this curation assistant, right? That sifts through your content and, and suggests it. Yeah, it really keeps a database of your content. And the reason it was created was my own need. When I created Medgar, I was actually teaching entrepreneurs about social media marketing. And I had kind of a proprietary system I'd come up with where you stored all of your status updates in a giant spreadsheet, all organized by different types of updates so that you could organize uh, you know, your ratio and your mix of, okay, I want to send inspirational quotes versus my own promotions versus other people's blog posts. And so it was so weird to me that I had to store my status updates in a spreadsheet, which of course, if you have images, that doesn't work, you know, lots right. of problems with that. I'm like, I pay for a social media publishing tool. Why am I keeping my own spreadsheet with my updates? Why would the tool, it's kind of like if WordPress just sort of sent the blog post but didn't keep the blog post. That's what a lot of <laughs> these tools do. So yeah, I had my own process going that I was teaching other entrepreneurs and they were using it to streamline their social media. So yeah, the tool was really built to do what this manual process was doing. That's great. So I hear a lot of people talk about systems and processes and you get confused where you want process in your business. So you buy tools like yours, like mine. How do you mm -hmm. think about software influencing process? How are they related or just I'm curious how you think about mm. building process in business with software? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. I'm definitely a believer that there's kind of two different directions that software can go and some tools prescribe a workflow and some do not. And, you know, that's kind of a black and white way to put it. There's obviously some in between. But if you think of a tool like uh, Airtable, which is really popular right now for basically creating spreadsheets and databases and stuff, Airtable is a really cool tool where they're like, okay, we created this just sort of playground for you, you can do whatever you want with it. There's a hundred different ways you can use yeah. it. There's a lot of different things you can create on it. Whereas with Meet Edgar, we're really taking our users through kind of a step-by-step -step, like, okay, here's how you pull your content. Here's some suggested categories of what you want to post on social media. It's a very different way to do it where we're like, okay, we know about social media marketing. We have some useful suggestions for you to make this easier. But of course, the downside as a software company is if you don't like that workflow, if you think it's a bad idea, you know, whatever, <laughs> like obviously our tool isn't going to work for you. But the upside is it makes our customers' lives a lot easier because it takes some yeah. of that decision-making away from them. I've never thought about it like that, but I love that. And you know, it's funny, you hear all these tools being called software as a service as a category, but really providing a process like your tool does is the service that you're filling mm -hmm. that void. Whereas something like Airtables, it might just be a utility that it's not providing right. any kind of service. So that's really interesting. So, so I know from building a, a SaaS company, what it takes to build a team and a brand and in reading about you, you've put so much emphasis on creating balance in your life and teaching other mm -hmm. people to do that. So I'm curious, how do you maintain balance with growing to 5,000 plus customers? 
Yeah, so it's something that's been really important to me from day one because I, I sort of referenced my previous business that I was teaching social media marketing. That was a thought leader type of business where I was the thought leader, I was the face of it, I was the teacher and the courses. So it was a, de- a business that was very dependent on me. I had a small team with a few other people, but at the end of the day, I certainly couldn't sell that business. It couldn't operate for a year without me. So when I first got into SaaS, I was very deliberate that I wanted to build something that wasn't dependent on me, Mm. that could grow without my time. And I also happened to be pregnant when we launched the tool. So I had my first kid when the, the company was uh, six months old and I wow. took a, a three month parental leave then. So I obviously knew that that was coming when we launched. So I just, I did things I think very differently than a lot of people. A lot of people in the first year, first few years are doing work 24 seven. I'm like, okay, I have a newborn baby. I can't, I can't really <laughs> work 24 seven. That's, yeah. that's not going to happen. And it, you know, in retrospect, I, I joke that everyone should should be pregnant when they launch their startup because it, it has its challenges, but it was a great constraint, right? It's like if someone tells you, okay, you can only work 10 hours a week, you're going to get stuff done in those 10 hours as opposed to the like, you can, oh, don't worry, just procrastinate all day. You can just stay up all night and work, you know? I think right. I am a believer in setting setting those limits for ourselves. And that's something that we do at our company. We work nine to five. We don't work in the evening. We don't work in the weekend ever. That's not just like, oh, unless we have a, a big project coming up. It's like, no, we set our own projects. We set our own deadlines. We can, we can decide our pace. Yeah. So it's, it's really being intentional about the culture and setting those mm-hmm. boundaries from the beginning, it sounds like. And, and I agree wholeheartedly with you. I think you, you build your business around your life. And so many people mm-hmm. get in this, uh, in this trap where they just say yes to everything and end up working 80 hours a week. So how have you resisted that? I mean, one, as an entrepreneur, what is the point of getting a job that you don't like, you know, mm. there's plenty of jobs out there that I wouldn't like. I could, <laughs> I could definitely get a job that I don't like. Mm. If I'm going to create my own business, a big motivation in that for me is creating a job for myself that I really enjoy and not just for myself either, but for the other people that I'm working with. I really want everyone who works at Meet Edgar to, to really feel like it's not just a job, right? But it's something that stretches their brain, stretches their capacity, and they enjoy the people that they work with. So it's just like, if we're going to do it, if we get to be creative and we get to make all these choices about our company, why not at least aim for building the best thing we can? Right. Absolutely. Okay. So changing gears here a little, I read your team is fully remote. Is that still the case? Okay. So we just hired our first remote team member. So it's very new for us, but have Mm -hmm. you always been remote? We have. So we are fully remote. We've always been remote. We've never had an in-person office. Wow. So so with that kind of setup, how do you what do you do to keep your team connected and engaged and operating by the company way? So it's really oh, man, a lot of things are really important when you're remote. One, over the years, we've discovered that it, it really is a core 
part of how we function. It's not just sort of an extra of like, here's the job. Oh, and it happens to be remote. So mm-hmm. at this point, we only hire people with some kind of background in remote work. We need to know that you thrive in working that way already because not everyone thrives in working this way. It drives right. some people <laughs> absolutely <laughs> insane. Not everyone's um, built for it. No, not not everyone's built for it, but some people love it. And you have to remember to sort of leave lots of evidence of your work and say everything out loud on the internet. Because a big challenge with remote is that there's no overhearing, you know, there's no walking by a conversation and joining in. So something that we're always working towards is really limiting um, the number of of one-on-one or private messages. So, you know, we use Slack like most remote companies do. And we've found it problematic in the past. Sometimes people will start private messaging a lot feeling like, oh, I don't want to, you know, bother people. I don't want to create more noise in Slack. But then you don't realize how valuable it is to just be able to peek in on other teams' channels or for everyone on your team to see what you're talking about. Those conversations are totally siloed and totally hidden. And that really causes problems because there's just, there's zero opportunity for people to sort of quote unquote, walk by and discover them. So we found that things like being really conscientious about meeting notes and keeping the notes in a place where everyone can see them and making it really clear to everyone on the team. It's normal to sit in on other people's meetings. It's normal to just like review meeting notes from other departments just because you're curious and you want to know what's going on. We do company-wide meetings every Monday. Like we have a lot of meetings, which Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, meetings are very popular right now. A lot of people are like, oh, I hate <laughs> um, but I, I think meetings are really important because, especially when you're remote, because it sets aside time for us to all connect and spend time live together. Right. And do you meet as a whole group or is it by department? I'm just curious. Yeah. So we do uh, the whole company every Monday and then um, our individual teams, their their meeting rhythms vary a little bit, but most of them do some sort of planning um, meeting on Mondays. Sometimes that's just type in, sometimes it's a call. And then all the teams do a, a retro meeting every Friday going over the week, the classic, what went well, what didn't go well, what can we do better? Hmm, that's great. So even your meeting rhythm has structure. And I think for a remote team, especially the structure is super important, right? If I've found that a lot of companies with uh, remote teams and, and people logging in everywhere, they have to be better at process yeah. in order to make that work. I, I think it's, it's absolutely true. And we do something a little bit different at Meet Edgar where, so I'm sort of the exception because I'm not super involved in the day-to-day of, of the business at this point. So I actually am in the UK, but the rest of our team is in North America. And so we don't have a global team. We have that spread from West Coast to East Coast, but everyone works in like normal business working hours. We're not the type of company where we're like, log on whenever, get your work done whenever. Uh, we all want to be working somewhat simultaneously, you know, mm-hmm. again, with that overlap, some people sure. earlier and later, but so that we are working from home, but we're really working together during the day. Sure. Okay. So whether it's, so when someone's working remote, you have to get them up to speed when they're just starting. And I saw online, which I loved that you publish your whole handbook. And is it, so first, is that the complete handbook or is it just a, an excerpt? It's most of it. We don't share 
everything about our interviewing process because we don't necessarily want <laughs> candidates to know, Cheat the <laughs> you know process, everything yeah. right exactly yeah. everything from our perspective but actually related to that um one of the biggest benefits of having the handbook online has been related to hiring because found one uh if they haven't read the handbook they're not that interested in the company and the job so they're probably not a match if they haven't bothered to read and if they have read it they ask us really smart questions because they actually again especially being remote people like you can say stuff about your culture but everyone kind of says the same thing at this yeah. point you know no one's like we're conservative jerks who hate change <laughs> and innovation you know like everyone sort of says the same things so being able to read the details of our all, of our, all our policies and our company handbook it really lets candidates know what we're like and allows them to really dig in more to what it will be like to to work with us How, how'd you make the decision to share it publicly what was the the idea behind that you know, we really found how valuable it was for us, again, especially being remote, seeing how other remote companies just do things like how do you how do you do your sick policy? How do you uh, you know, how do you know when someone's at work? It's like it's such a funny question, but different companies have different ways of handling okay, how do I know you're working? Like some companies do time tracking where you actually have to, you know, log in all the hours you work. For us, our rule is just if you're on Slack, you're at work. If you're not on Slack, you're not at work. And so if you're away for lunch or whatever, just put up a little message on Slack because when you're remote and you start your first day, it's like, wait, how do I let anyone know that I'm here and I'm, <laughs> I'm yeah. working? So yeah. we just were curious how other remote companies did all those little things. So once we had figured that out for ourselves, we wanted to be helpful and share it with other people. So I would love for anyone listening to just go Google this, go find it on the websites because it's out there. But what I loved about it is it's such a good peek into your culture as well. Just the, the you know, reading through it, like you call your management team advocates and you mm -hmm. talk about making plans and not goals and you've got some really cool perks and you just get a sense of what makes you guys different as a company, which I love. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we think that we've, done some things really well you know we do believe that we've built a company culture that's worth emulating so we also really love the idea that maybe smaller companies uh, when they're hiring their very first employees can maybe look at our handbook and maybe create a culture that's sort of like ours and <laughs> to mirror after you yeah is there is there anything that you would call out specifically i know i gave a few examples but is there anything mm -hmm. in there that your your applicants or candidates have just loved well, what people love the most and notice the most is the uh, the house cleaning perk. So hmm. since everyone works from home, we pay to have your house cleaned once a month. You know, if you worked in an office, obviously we would we would pay to have the office cleaned. And that is something interesting because it actually came up during the first, I guess, probably the first year, maybe second year of the business in one of our in-person retreats, we were talking about what do you love about working from home? What do you hate about it? And someone was like, you know what I hate about it? She's like, I always feel like I should be cleaning my house when I'm working from home. She's like, I'm looking around and I'm distracted by my messy house. And then I feel guilty, like, oh, I should be cleaning. I'm looking at the kitchen from where I have my laptop in the living room. And I'm thinking, oh, I should be cleaning the kitchen right now. And she's like, 
it would be it would be amazing if you know it were more like an office and it was clean and that's where we got the idea from um and our employees absolutely love it and you know people who read about our company always notice that and it's so funny because it's not expensive from right. our point of view right it's going to be max like a hundred dollars a month you know maybe something like that often it's it's even cheaper yeah that's so that's so great and again it goes back to being people centric and thinking about the person and how do you solve their problems and mm-hmm. so i love that um okay so as you're getting new people up to speed as we're going through this onboarding training process what does that look like beyond the handbook what does their introduction to your company look like So a lot of it is um, written documentation. Uh, We also assign them a buddy. I'm sure we have some cute name for it that I can't remember right now, (laughs) but they have their, you know, they have their work buddy just to say, okay, any stupid questions that you feel like you have, this is just someone that you always know that you can message them and ask and, and they're happy to help you. And Back to the meetings, you know, again, just having a lot of uh, meeting time set aside to meet with different people in the company because something else that is weird about being remote is that even though we're a small team, some roles just don't get a chance to mix. So our, our team is about 15 people right now. If we were together in an office, obviously, you know, everyone would know names, first of all. Second of all, you would end up having lunch, coffee with everyone in the office at some point. But our head of finance and our, uh, you know, back end engineer really don't have work that they do together. Right. Maybe Mm. the head of finance is asking the engineer for like how much why are we spending so much money on this every so often? And, And that's about it. And so creating these opportunities for people just to have video chats when they first join. And it's also something that we do regularly weekly, just pair up two or three people together for a video chat that maybe they don't get to talk to so much. And you just have to recognize like it, it is a little awkward at first. It's, it's a little weird. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's just like, okay, we're supposed to chat now, but you know, it's awkward for a few minutes and then you get into it and then it's fine. That makes sense though. So, so beyond the initial training, which is what most people think of when they hear training, Another part of training is is up leveling people and as they're being promoted through positions, how do they train someone to take over what they used to do? So how do you manage that knowledge transfer in the business? I mean, that's it's an interesting one for us because we are small, right? So there's not always uh we don't always have that chain of command, right? Where it's like, okay, we have the junior person and then the regular person and then the senior person. So some of it is uh, just watching and modeling other people in the company that are are doing what you want to do. Like uh, the person who's currently our, our head of QA Uh, She started out in the customer service team. She had not done QA before, but she was just, and if you're listening and you don't know what that is, it's basically making sure it's like bug testing basically Mm -hmm. for software. Um, She was just a very technically minded person and she had an interest in doing that and, and wanted to grow it. So at first it was just like, okay, well, here's like watch us do this, ask questions, we'll explain things to you. For us also, sometimes it's a mix of like an online course or something like that. I know some people on our marketing team right now are taking a course about Facebook ads to learn the latest and greatest there. So yeah, it's a mix of just like shadowing people. Um, And we're also very open with just like, 
if you're curious about anything, please ask. If you're someone on the marketing team who's like, what is a database exactly? You know, what, what does that mean to our development team? <laughs> um, we're always really happy to for someone to take time and, and answer that. And, and people love doing that. We find that it's really not a bother to people. People are really happy that other people are, are interested in, in what they do. We, we have every department outline some of their key keywords and, and things mm-hmm. like, you know, the development team says these things like uh, when a modal pops up and the customer mm-hmm. success seems like, what's a modal? And so right. we've got kind of like a glossary of terms in, in our system. That's kind of fun. Um, okay. So, I know through your consulting work, you know, aside from from Edgar, you're teaching entrepreneurs to build businesses that that can run without them. Like we talked about mm-hmm. at the beginning, is is there some common thread through that that you're sharing, or some getting started tips that you would uh, you'd want to leave people with? I mean, I think the biggest overall tip is that you have to hand over responsibility before you feel 100% ready because you never feel 100% ready. So we have a uh, president who runs the day-to-day of our company, and that's that's a newer role. She started less than a year ago in that role, so that was sort of the last step for me in you know, yeah. handing over Congrats. that the reins. Thank you. Um, and I had all these excuses about when that was going to happen. I talked to her being like, okay, I think, you know, I think this is where your role is headed. I think this is what we should do. But then it's like, okay, well, we need to have so many months of training or we need to do this a year from now. And literally one day I just woke up. I swear to God, I think I saw some inspirational quote on Instagram, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's like, live your life for today or whatever. I don't remember what it was, but for whatever reason, something triggered me to be like, what am I waiting for? Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this because any learning that she can do before she has the title, it's not like we stopped talking after she got that title. Right. It's not like I just expected her to, you know, know everything the day she got that title. Obviously the learning and the training continues. I'm like, why am I waiting for this? I'm just, I know that I want to do this. I know that she's the right person for it. She's excited about it. So I just talked to her that day and I'm like, we're just gonna, we're just going to jump in and and we're going to do it. And I think, yeah, you, whether it's like, you know, handing off your first emails to the customer service person and you're really nervous because you've always done that yourself or you've always done your bookkeeping yourself or whatever it is, you know, it's very rare that someone's like, oh, I have no concerns about this. I feel yeah. totally comfortable with yeah. someone else doing and it. And you can never fully prepare someone because you don't yeah. know everything. You can prepare to an extent, write some things down, but then you have to be there for kind of a transition period. That's pretty normal, I think. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a great point about documentation, too, is documentation is great, but then some people get carried away thinking that they're going to write out a, an answer for every you know scenario and everything that can happen. And one, it's a waste of time. Two, no one would ever be able to find this obscure scenario that you've written up when the time comes anyway. You know, you want right. to outline, outline the basics for people and then you just have to get into the real world and see what happens. Right. So I totally agree. You, you can't get overwhelmed with documentation. You've got to document the bare minimum, you know, minimum viable documentation that right. applies to everyone. So this has been fantastic. I was going back through my notes and a couple of things you said, say everything out loud on the Internet, I think is brilliant and hand over responsibility before you feel ready. So that idea of being transparent, sharing your your Slack channels, saying things out loud, writing them down, and being okay handing off responsibility seems to be a key to a lot of your growth. So I really appreciate you sharing that. 
Um, one of the things that I know you mentioned as we were just starting to chat was an offer for, for our guests listening. So is that something you want to share? Yeah. So if you go to meetedgar.com, uh, use the coupon code podcast in all caps, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, you can get uh, a month free of Meet Edgar. So you don't have to pay any money. You can check out Edgar. If you're listening to this, you're probably into processes because you're listening to a process podcast right now. <laughs> so I feel like you'd probably like Meet Edgar. So check it out. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. Really appreciate your insights. Laura Roeder with Meet Edgar. Check her out. Uh, visit the website. And like I said, check out that online handbook. It's really cool. So thank you, Laura, for being here today. Hey, thanks for listening to Process Makes Perfect. If you're listening on your earbuds, on a run, in the car, we also have a version on YouTube. So if you want to see this in color video with me interviewing all these great guests, check it out on YouTube. Just search Chris Ronzio and you'll find my channel on there. If you found this helpful, we'd love for you to leave a review or rate the podcast. Please do that and we'll send you some swag as a little thank you. If you found the information valuable, please share it with a friend, a family member, or anyone else you think could benefit from the information. Remember to connect with me at Chris Ronzio on all social media platforms or the company at Trainual. That's train U-A-L, like a training manual, everywhere that you want to follow us. Thanks again for watching or listening, and we hope to see you next time.